Hey there, Victoria here. I've been waiting for a long while to get back to the Psalms, but before we jump in, please take a moment to subscribe to or make this podcast a favorite wherever you listen. I know on Apple Podcasts, you can rate and write a review. I would really appreciate it if you would, or consider sharing the link of your favorite show on social media, tagging me when you do. And finally, let's stay connected. Just visit my website at www.victoriadwalker.com and opt in there or join the private Facebook group called Choose to Think. I'm so glad that you're here. And now on with the show. According to the Blue Letter Bible, Psalm 103 was likely written on the pardon of David's adultery. It goes right up there with Psalm 51, that beautiful confession of his sin. Psalm 103 seems to be written when David was more mature, having already experienced a few knockdowns and hardships in his life. You probably know the backdrop to his adultery as recorded in 2 Samuel 11. Now, Scholars suggest that David was about 50 or 55 years old when he fell into temptation with Bathsheba, ultimately having her husband murdered when it was revealed that Bathsheba was pregnant with David's child. What David had done, quote, displeased the Lord. Now, the word displeased means to grieve or make sad or break, like break his heart, I'm sure. It took about eight months for David to recognize his great sin and repent. After his dearest friend, Nathan, confronted him with that famous line, you are the man. In other words, you are the man who took from Uriah. Now, that was Bathsheba's husband. And he was a faithful and humble servant. You took from him what you could have easily obtained in other ways from the abundance of your own house. Well, episode 15 of the Choose to Think podcast is called Facing Shame. And it details more of this experience about using Psalm 51 as the backdrop. And you might want to go back and catch that episode. But in a nutshell, Psalm 103 is about blessing the Lord for his very character. And the words of this psalm are still sung today. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Do you know that song? Well, as we bless, we are blessing by means of adoration, much like kneeling down before God. He forgives us for everything and he keeps no record of our wrongs. He saves us. He is compassionate and slow to anger. He's gracious and loving and he's sovereign. He knows we are so extremely weak in our humanness, although our footprint on this earth is a mere blink in time, but his loving kindness transcends each moment. In his divine majesty, he equips us, his children, to endure, to fear him, to obey him, and to bless his name wherever we may be. Through our sufferings and trials, we have a unique opportunity to meditate on God's word and to actually speak out to our soul, not just listen to it. We have an opportunity to fill our mind with God's truth, using our thoughts and our memory to bring our faith to life. I I found this Tim Keller quote, and it was so, it's so interesting. He, He summed it up like this, quote, sin always blocks our relationship with God. Suffering can deepen it, end quote. 
Three times in the psalm, you'll hear how God has loving kindness and compassion on those who fear or revere him. And I'm sure that if you and I made a list of all the times God has demonstrated his love for us and shown us compassion, well, we might never just stop writing. But I have a question for you. How have you experienced in your life God's love and compassion? Think back over the length of your years on this earth. And if you're like I am, the pathway behind you may be a bit broken and bumpy, even dark during different seasons. But throughout your time on earth, you've noticed God's abundant provisions, his unmistakable goodness, his breathtaking presence, his promises fulfilled and how he's led you like a father. He's taught you, healed your heart and shown you better ways. Well, David was about my age now when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And you might think, gee, he whiz. After all he had been through with God prior to that, I mean, how could he? From shepherding to warring, from facing giants to fleeing for his life. God has shown, had shown up big time in David's life. And David knew intimacy with God perhaps like few others. Yet he was human and he allowed his heart to grow a bit calloused or maybe he got bored with God's ways. Perhaps his relationship with the Lord had suffered from lack of attention and care. Maybe he had become more lackadaisical or nonchalant. You know, I, I can tell you I've known seasons like this as well in my Christian journey. And those are definitely the moments when I am more susceptible to enemy attack. At this point historically in David's life, he should have been at war. It was that time of year. But instead, he stayed at home, and an unseen enemy invaded his heart and mind. He didn't battle up, I'm talking about David, nor did he resist. He simply fell. And you've heard that sin, although a roadblock, like Tim Keller said, in our relationship with God, well, it can at least cause us to suffer, which in turn helps us to pivot back to God. Suffering almost always is one of the best teachers we could ever have. And whether that's suffering from hardship we don't even ask for, or whether it's suffering as a result of sinful choices. <laughs> Whether we bend our knee to recognize that God is with us in the fires and in the furnaces of this life, or when we finally bow our hearts to acknowledge our mistakes, what we've done and how we've broken the very heart of God, well, it is then that God's love rushes in. Question, if you could write your life's love story with God at your age right now, what would you write? I'll borrow a C.S. Lewis quote from Mere Christianity here in a moment. I'll share it. But it illustrates just how much God has worked in, for example, in my life. He's constantly demolishing those things in my life that are far from his plans, and he's bringing to life new areas. Like David and like you, we are all works in progress. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm also not where I used to be. So perhaps recognizing that and partnering with God as he shapes us is what true victorious Christian living is all about. You know, when you look back at your life, what do you see? What do you see now? And what do you hope for the future? Maybe blessing the Lord means 
saying I'm sorry more often. Maybe it means forgiving and forgiving and forgiving again. It means putting aside whatever hinders us. It means forgetting what is behind and being present in this moment. It means letting someone have what is so precious to me that I think I need. It means thinking less of myself and my needs and more of others and what they need. It means having the guts to make the right choice. And you may be thinking, finally, I want to make the right choice. And that's okay. If, if you've made wrong choices, God will give you those guts that you need to make the right choice. Just hang on. It may mean allowing my heart and all its hungers to be fed and nourished by God first. Now, we may not like where we are right now, and we might even be in our 90s, but it is never, never, never too late to bless the Lord for what he's done, what he does do now, and what you know he will do in your life to draw you closer to him, to mature you, and to grow you and shape you. Now, here's that C.S. Lewis quote. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. Now, before we go on, let's take a quick break from our sponsors. As I studied Psalm 103, I tried to picture David, who actually died some 15 to 20 years after he wrote this song. I just know that he had learned so many things by this time in his life. You know, he glanced back, took in the present, and he also painted the future all in one beautiful poem. Let's listen. Psalm 103, the NASV version. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness toward those who fear Him. 
as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And this is the word of the Lord. So my biggest takeaway from this psalm is that I want to commit to telling my soul today to bless the Lord. No matter what I've been through, I want to talk back to my soul. I want to articulate those thoughts that show my appreciation and gratitude over God's occupancy in my house, my palace, no matter what stage of renovation I'm in. And you know what? You and I have a benefit that David didn't have exactly. We have Jesus who served as the bridge, the catalyst by which our sins could be forgiven and removed. Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, but now sits at the right hand of, hand of the Father. And somehow, in some divine and cosmic mystery, we're seated there too. He elevates us just that high. In Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul writes this, quote, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our trespasses. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might display the surpassing riches of his grace demonstrated by his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance as our way of life. End quote. So, okay, I'm going to leave you with this charge for this week. I want you to talk back to your soul, just like David did. Choose to think, choose your thoughts, choose your mindsets and attitudes. Bless the Lord with everything that's in you. Make good decisions, do good work, step into your God-given purpose. Remember, palace materials and palace designs are made from God's blueprint. He doesn't make mistakes, and he can certainly handles, handle ours. Let's bend our knee to him. And now let's pray.
Father in heaven, thank you for your loving kindness, for your love and patience, for forgiving us and for elevating us to a higher kingdom. As eternity is set in our hearts, help us to be ever mindful that we have a mission on earth to do, one that will influence our children and theirs and theirs. By our thoughts and our choices, help us leave a legacy that says we chose to bless your holy name, not only in word, but also in deed. And and we will do that, Lord, by your good graces. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in again. And if you want all the links to my Start with a Grateful Heart ministry, just click the show notes for more info. I'll catch you same time next week right here. And until then, remember, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.